if you guys have got your Bibles or on your phones, if you turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, we're going to have a little bit of a look at the beginning of the book. Um, ultimately, we're going to focus in on chapter 2. But um, the way Mark starts his Gospel is really interesting because you have um, John the Baptist, and if you just look down the main headings, the main sections, um, as soon as Jesus has done, been tempted, straight away he begins his, his uh, ministry, he causes his disciples together, and then straight away he starts to do stuff, which is a little bit oi oi savaloi, that's a little bit risky, that's a little bit um, weird, and a little bit on the fringes, and not stuff they would have normally seen before. So straight away he's called his disciples, and then he's healing a man with an unclean spirit. The key word is unclean. Um, that would normally be anything that you would list as unclean within their culture and context you would generally steer clear of you would generally stay away from and straight away straight off the bat the way Mark starts his gospel is Jesus is going straight towards that which you should avoid so that which you would separate yourself from he's heading towards and he's bringing resolution he's bringing healing he's bringing freedom he's bringing liberty and then straight away he gets into some healing stuff um he preaches in galilee which is a bit of a, a madness and then he's cleansing um a leper and this this story at the end of chapter one is a really powerful one in the way the language um the language used It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, saying, If you will, you can make me clean. So the guy's view isn't like, um, can you? Is it within your ability? Are you able to do this? He's like, I totally believe, God, that you can do this. My question is, will you do this? And I think so often one of the biggest problems we have as Christians is we defeat ourselves before we do anything, before we try anything, before we try to be the resolution, the solution, or to serve or to bring about any ministry to any situation. Because before we get to it, we're asking the question, can God really do this? Or if we're not asking the question, can he do this? We believe, yeah, God can do this, but actually I'm not too sure he'll do this through me. Or I'm not too sure he'll do this for me. So our question, generally speaking, isn't always, can he do it? If we manage to get past believing he can, we generally fall short and fall apart when it comes to, will he? Will he come through for me? Like this last week, um, Jody and I, we've been still continually moving into the, the flat. And it's just been a madness. Like we had so many needs over the last week and a bit where we didn't have things. And like within a day... Um, we got everything we needed. We got given a, f- a fridge, we got given a freezer, we got given table and chairs, we got given a sofa, we got given a bookcase by someone who's just two doors down from us that we, Jody kind of knows, but doesn't really know. Um, and just given and given and given and given. And then like even today, like um, we don't have a TV and stuff and um, been offered a TV, been offered other furniture and stuff like that. And slowly like God is kitting out my apartment and I haven't spent any money on it. Like, I'm not, even, I'm not even joking. I think we bought a kettle for like 15 pound from like, I don't know if it was Asda or Morrison's. It was one of those. Maybe, I don't know, it was Tesco. I think Jody went Tesco's. Yeah, so like, it's, it's insane. And actually, we barely even stocked our fridge. Like, it's, it's nuts. And then I looked at the bank balance and um, I was like, oh, crumbs, Lord. I don't know if when the mortgage comes, we'll actually be able to pay it this month. Like, I'm really screwed. So I just prayed about it. And I was like, my question was, will he? I know God can. I know he can, but my question is, will he for me? 
and then we go straight back to my parents' house just to pick up some pieces, and there's a piece of post there for me, and someone um, had given me a couple hundred quid as a, as a, uh, a moving present. Uh, congratulations, new home. And then all of a sudden now, I can just about see clear that I might be able to pay my mortgage and I might actually be able to get the train to work. Um, it's insane, it's insane. And so often our question isn't like, can he do this? We believe he's God, he spoke all things into existence. So that's not an issue. Our problem is, will he do this for me? And what I love about this is this guy's a leper. So he, once again, just like um, the person of unclean spirit, he should be avoided. And the one thing he should never be is touched. He should never be touched. He would go around wearing a bell that would ring as he moved so that you would know he is a person you don't touch. He's a person you don't go near. He's got a skin disease. They would have their own colony. They would be away. They would be segregated because of this disease. This guy has come to him imploring him and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Move with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. He says, I will. It is my will. Be clean. Now, this is huge. And the reason this is huge, and Mark is kicking off his gospel with this, is because when Jesus does this act, according to the law and their situation, if you had leprosy and I touched you, you were unclean, and now I was unclean. But Jesus is different from you and I. Jesus is holy and pure, and what he touches that is unclean becomes clean. And so Jesus doesn't do what you and I do. We avoid people that have certain issues. We avoid them and stay away from them. I've been speaking at a youth camp the last two days at a, a church that I've done some stuff for before that they asked me to come in kind of short notice and jump on it. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'd love to. I love the kids there. And so we're hanging out and we're chatting and we're chatting about loving your neighbour, loving God with all that you are. We ended up talking about, um, it's all about Hebrews 6 verse 9 which says, you were made for better things. So we got round to my book, The Commission and Drama, that was a load of fun. And um, we talked about all that kind of stuff. And as we were kind of going through that, like listening to them, they were like, oh yeah. I was like, who can think of someone? And they could all think of someone. And then I go, don't tell me their name because someone else knows them. But tell me about their situation. What is it about them that you think they need love from you? And then they would paint this picture. You'd hear it and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, man, you've got to love them. Like, and then just the lads. It was just the lads. So none of the girls were there. Just the lads. We'd separate them for this discussion so it could be a serious one and no one try and do any bravado to impress or chirps anyone. So they were just talking it down the line. And one of these guys goes to me like, yeah, but like, nah, man. Like, yeah, I know he needs to be like accepted in that, but like, he's gay. Like, like, I ain't hugging him. What if he's thinking something? And I was like, well, how about you don't hug girls, bro? Because I'm sure you're thinking something when you're hugging. You know what I mean? I was like, well, how is that gonna? How are you gonna overcome that? How are you gonna move past that? This person needs love. You're saying they're isolated. Then you gotta love them. And 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 they were. They were struggling with this idea. And I was looking around the room and they all said they believed in Jesus. Yet off the bat in Mark's gospel, we're gunning for it. Jesus is gunning for those that he shouldn't be about. He shouldn't be hanging around with people with unclean spirits. He should avoid them. The guy's got leprosy. You shouldn't touch him. But he's gunning for him. He's straight there. Has pity. Move. Touches him. Someone else talking. They're like, oh, there's this kid that is no one talks to. No one even acknowledges their existence. And I was like, oh, amazing. And he goes, yeah, but I've already done something for him. I said, oh, what'd you do? And the guy's like, I said hi. And I kind of looked at him, like, I was just waiting for it. One of the other leaders was 
good and encouraging and said, well, actually, that's great, because if no one acknowledges him, it's fantastic. And I was like, hold on a second. We're talking about loving people, loving people. You have merely acknowledged his existence on this earth. Like, when you think in the context of who Jesus is, in the form of God, put aside being in the form of God, became flesh and blood like you and I, dying on the cross for our sins, to make us whole, to redeem us, to, to change and transform everything within our lives. And our greatest response to that gift is going, yeah, I'm going to love God with all that I am. That's the greatest commandment, love God with all that I am. The best I can muster right now is to say hi to this kid that no one else says hi to. And I was like, great, that's a step in the right direction. But let's be expressive. And I think so often one of the biggest challenges we have as Christians is actually doing really basic, really, really simple things. And in this passage, Jesus is touching people he shouldn't touch. He's hanging out with people he shouldn't hang out with. I grew up in a church which told me that I should ditch certain mates. I should stay away from their influences. And I can see why they would say that with some of the friends that I had. But actually, I don't believe that's what Jesus calls any of us to do. I don't think there is a ministry of of avoidance. I don't think there's a ministry of avoidance. Because his ministry, as soon as he faces temptation full on, and as soon as he leaves, he heads into all the difficult, challenging issues, and he faces them, and he reaches out, and he loves. And what I believe God is calling you and I to do is to engage with those that he wants to reach out and he wants to love. And I know for a fact that just sitting here right now, just like the kids I was chatting with and bouncing ideas off and conversation and exploring different things with, I can think of people that need me to love them right now. I can think of them. And I know all of us can think of them. But the question is, are we going to be like Jesus? And are we going to push to serve them and to love them? The next passage we're going to read follows straight on from this story. So at the end of it, he says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing. What Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here's the key bit. And he returned to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic man carried by four men. And when they could not get him near because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. No one can forgive sins but God alone. And immediately Jesus perceiving this in his spirit, that they, that they had questioned him within their hearts, he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say rise up, 
take your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. What I love about Mark's gospel is it starts off with Jesus going, reaching out to places and to people who are separated and cut off that he shouldn't reach out to. What I love about the next thing that happens is this passage, because this passage is you and me. We're supposed to be the four guys carrying that dude who can't get there. He can't get to Jesus. And I think what happens, if I'm honest about myself, you can judge yourselves, but if I look at me, there are mates that I've had that I know desperately need to meet with Jesus, and I'm not talking turn or burn. They just need him in their lives because he would bring healing and wholeness in ways they never understand. He'd bring them peace like they've never known before, and he would solve the past hurts they've had that they just can't even comprehend. And what happens is I come to an obstacle. First thing, I come to an obstacle. And when I come to an obstacle with trying to get them to engage with Jesus, I drop the paralytic friend on the floor and go, well, screw that. There's no way we're getting in. I'm like that episode of The Office where they do the fire exit and they're taking the the guy down in the wheelchair. They get a bit tired carrying him in the wheelchair down the flight of stairs to the fire exit. They put him on a landing and go, mate, it's knackering. Um, It's not a real fire, so um, we're just going to leave you here and we'll come back later. And he's like, "Um, uh, I, I, I guess. And then they go outside, do the fire exit, do the drill, forget about him, go back in, do their office day and leave. And then at the end of the episode, it pans back to this guy in a wheelchair, stuck on a landing with stairs either side. And there's nothing, there's no, and he's just completely abandoned. And if I'm honest, and if I look at my own life and I, I challenge who I am, and how I represent and share Jesus with some of the people around me, I've done that. I've gone, well, you know, Hellfire isn't really here right now, so I'm just going to leave you on this landing, and um, I'll get back to you later on when the drill's over. And like, I've just left them there. And they're like, what? God, God's love? Like, dying on the cross? You can't even get me there. Like, you're really not that, you're not really that on it. So the first obstacle, we drop it. And then sometimes we say to ourselves, it's not possible. Like I've had situations where I've just gone like, oh, that's, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Like, oh, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And then actually I've had friends who've gone to, said to me once, I had one friend who said to me and it killed me inside. He said, I wish you'd said that to me before. God gave me a word for him and I kept it to myself. And about six months later, I went to him and said it. He goes, I wish you'd said that to me before because it really would have meant something then. But yeah, it's cool to know that maybe some God has some insight into what happened or whatever. And I was like, oh man, I missed it. Because I thought at a time when God said that to me, oh, that's, that's not going to mean anything to him. Six months later, turn out it would have meant a whole lot. But I missed it because I saw an obstacle and I thought it was impossible. And actually with God, all things are possible. And then sometimes we get there and we realise, actually, if I'm going to get this person to Jesus, if I'm going to get them to this, it's going to cost. It's going to inconvenience me. Like these four guys who ripped the roof apart, it's a bit of an inconvenience. Not just ripping apart a roof, I'm pretty sure the guy's house it is have been like, you need to put that back, sunshine. And like, I know the story moves on, it's not a part of it, but that's someone's roof, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh yeah, see you later, John. Uh, hold on a second, mate. 
the roof, um, hello, big gaping hole. Sometimes it means inconveniencing. Sometimes it means cost. Sometimes it means putting in that effort. And if I'm honest, so often the first obstacle, I quit, I tap out, and then I think it's impossible. And then sometimes I don't even bother with the cost and I don't bother to do anything. The fourth thing is I love about this story, which I'm ending on, is I love the way that they innovate. They really innovate. Like there's no other passage in the New Testament where people can't get to Jesus and they're like, simple. We just take the roof apart and we can totally get him in. We can totally get him in. No one else has innovated like that. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It's this one story. Like it's not like a reoccurring theme in the Jewish community where it's like, oh, the synagogue's full. Oh yeah, do what we did last week. Take the roof apart, lower the dude down. It's, 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 not, it's not that. It's not a habitual thing. It's not something you do. But it's like, these guys are like, you know what? This guy needs to get there. We're going to do this. I'm going to push for it. I'm not going to back down because this really matters. And this matters more than my convenience and my cost and whether I look like an idiot. Because I'm not being funny. If there's a huge crowd that you can't even get in the door, there's no room in the building, you starting to climb up the side of the building with a guy who can't, like, health and safety, you know what I mean? A paralytic guy on a flipping stretcher, and you're like, all right, let's get him on the roof. Uh, no, let's not get someone who can't actually move high up in the air where they could fall and die. You know what I mean? The whole crowd would have been looking at him like, I'm not sure who needs the help here. It's, I'm not convinced it's the paralytic man. I think it could be the four idiots who are going to kill him trying to get him up on the roof. The four idiots. But the four idiots that we don't know the name of, they end up seeing their friend pick up his bed, walk away different. If you want to live a life where you see people who are dead in their situation with no hope. Like I used to sit in church and everyone loved sharing other people's stories. And I remember sitting there listening over a dinner. You know how Christians do at dinner? Everyone just does this Pokemon thing where they try and throw out the better Christian story of the better miracle. And it's like Pokeballs and you're like sitting there. And I remember at a young age as a kid listening to those conversations going like, you know what? I don't want to play Pokemon when I'm older. I don't. I'm not about this. I'm not about this catch them all other people's stories. I'm not. I'm not framing them. I'm not keeping them in little balls or pouches. It's not happening. I'm going to live my life and when I see opportunities, I'm going to share it. When I see people who need it, I'm going to step out and give it a go. And sometimes I get it wrong. But I can look back over my life at 31 and I can already see people that when I have stepped out, it's made a difference for. I can think of one girl where I work who's now started talking to God about her situation. She's in a different place than when I met her. Different place, because I'd stepped out and took, it, took a chance. I could think of a lad who I've shared about before. Dad wasn't around. I took him on, and now he's talking to people saying, this is the man that fathered me. He's got a degree. He never had any educational prospects. He didn't, they weren't there, they didn't exist. But I stepped out. I don't have any. And he's got them. I stepped out. We see these opportunities. And sometimes, at the time, they don't look like very much. But when you take the risk and you innovate, and you don't let obstacles get in the way, and you don't say that's impossible, and you trust God, and you just go, no matter what happens, I don't care if I have to rip the flipping roof off, he's going to do something better than me. I don't care if I have to look like an idiot to this 15-year-old that thinks I'm a moron. I'm going to share something about faith because I know it could change her life. 
we've got to be people who, like Jesus, risk everything encountering those who others of the religious community would stay from. Even in this story, the scribes are seeing something beautiful happen before their eyes, and all they can think about is what's wrong. Like, who is this? This guy think he is saying that. Guys, don't be the type of Christian that sees something beautiful and tries to see the flaws in it. See like, wow, that's amazing. I want to be like those four guys. I want to see God move in that way. I'm going to pray for us and that'll be it for today. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love towards us. I thank you, Lord, that each of us this week, this week, we're going to encounter people that we feel we need to share something of our story, of our faith, and of your story, and of what you do with them. I pray, Lord, that this week, when we come to that first obstacle, we won't back down. I pray that when we think it's impossible, we will have faith in you, because with you, all things are possible. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be people who count the cost and say it's totally worth it. And I pray we are people that step out in faith and see the impossible that only you can do through us.